Hello and welcome to another episode of the OysterCast. My name is Ron Cowie, your host, and today we are visiting with Mara Trachtenberg in her studio, and we talk about monsters, myth, and making art in pandemic and post-pandemic, and what it all means. Give a listen. All right, we are recording. Okay. Ron Cowie here with Mara Trachtenberg. Mara? You're an artist. Tell me about yourself. I'm a middle-aged woman. <laughs> I'm a middle-aged woman who's who's an artist who makes things. I'm a mom. I'm a spouse. I have two dogs. I like to garden. And I like to make things and play in my imagination, I guess. Where did you start? Where'd you grow up? Where did I grow up? I grew up on Long Island, suburb, suburban Long Island, a town called Dix Hills, which, you know. Unless you know Long Island, you probably don't know where that is. I don't. Um, so where is it? It's in... just south of Huntington. Okay. So Huntington is sort of a bigger town, you know, Jewish community. And yeah, that's where I was raised. Okay. So in, in still there. Okay. <laughs> Do you, it, did you go to art school in college or? I did not. So okay. So I studied, so from, I mean, I think, you know, my parents would probably tell you that from the time I could say what I wanted to be. It was always, I want to be an artist and a writer. All right. And then they were not into that. That was a very hard sell for my family. Mm-hmm. So I went, I came up to Rhode Island to go to URI and I had no idea what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to go to art school, but that was not on the table for me. Mm-hmm. And I also wanted to leave New York. So I ended up at URI and I studied English because I love literature and books and mm-hmm. writing and women's studies which now is gender and women's studies, but at the time it was women's studies, which didn't really get me any closer to career path, Mm -hmm. but it was very formative in the way I think about things Mm -hmm. and sort of the way I understand the world. So. All right. How so? How do you, I mean, like, tell me, I I know something about your work, but I I, I don't want to spoil the surprise for people. What Tell me about like your your early artistic journey. Like, what were you interested in? What are you interested in now? And kind of describe the journey from then th- to now. Well, I've always been interested in stories. Okay, like always. And so I think as I get older and I understand my work more and more, and I feel like you know every ten days I have this new revelation about my work. Mm-hmm. I think I, I kind of feel like other artists do the same thing, but. I'm really, I think stories, and I think that's probably where my desire to read everything I can, you know, every story I can, Mm -hmm. and write stories too, comes from, is that this, just this idea that so much of human experience is communicated through stories, Mm -hmm. right? Religious experience, and family experience, Mm -hmm. personal experience, internal experiences, and external experiences, and collective experiences, Mm -hmm. like, you know, we we mediate that through stories, Mm -hmm. and I just love stories Mm -hmm. and I'm happiest when I'm in a story. All right. Well, (laughs) I mean, that's interesting. We, we all are kind of in our own stories and it's like worlds within worlds. I don't know if the the kids call something meta. I think we might be in that ballpark. I don't know. Maybe. (laughs) So uh, I get, and ultimately it's like, well, what's your story? Like why, what stories are you interested in and how does that relate to where you are in the world? And so I think, you know, when I first started making you know making visual work i was really interested in in stories that sort of spoke to my experience as a as a young woman and as i continued to make work and 
you know, went to school to become, I went to school to become an art teacher where I had this great, I had a great professor who was very supportive of me and allowed me to do a lot of photography, which I wasn't supposed to do in the program that I was in, but she was amazing and very supportive. And I would say I got out of school and I taught high school for two years. And then she was, you know, we maintained a relationship. What was your name? Paula Ferrario. She lives up in, I think, Holyoke, Mass now. She won the Guggenheim quite a few years ago. She's good photographer, really great teacher, excellent human being. Anyway, if she's listening to this. So I taught for two years in high school and then I went off to graduate school. And as I continued to make things, I started to realize that animals were really important to me as a person, and mm-hmm. as a human, and that they they are a way to talk about hum- or using animals as symbols is kind of a way to talk about human experience. And mm-hmm. so... You know, for my early, the earliest stuff that I learned in my women's studies training, in my early feminist theory training, was ideas about hierarchy, very mm-hmm. interesting to me, and how th- like society gets structured on hierarchies. And so that's something that I have, I think I've been playing, you know, with my work, mm-hmm. within my work for a long time, mm-hmm. even if it's not, you know, hit you over the head, kind of mm-hmm. something that is like an underlying, underlying you know, so I use animals and like sort of mythical creatures to talk about human experience and to mm-hmm. talk about hierarchies of power. Hmm. And so you you started doing photography and how did, I mean, I remember some of the work that you were making things out of sugar. Yes. All right. Talk more about that because that's kind of where I started and stopped with you in terms of, oh, Mara, she makes works with sugar. And... I'll let you explain what that body of work was about. So there's like three bodies, three smaller bodies of work mm-hmm. in the in the sugar stuff. And I think I'm I think I'm done with making stuff out of sugar, actually, as we speak. I think I've let that go. But so I had my daughter. I knew I wanted to make worlds and like fantastical mm-hmm. worlds. Like that was something that was like had been brewing for some time. And I had had this new baby and when you have a new baby, you don't sleep very much. Mm-hmm. And you're, I don't know, I was up in the middle of the night watching TV and Ace of Cakes was like mm-hmm. the big show at the time. And I got really curious about making things out of like fondant and cake mm-hmm. makers media. So hence the sugar. Mm-hmm. And I have no sculpture background, mm-hmm. like none. So I was, I mean, beyond like, you know, the paper experiments that I did, mm-hmm. but nothing like no serious. So I have no frame work to make things, right? Mm-hmm. To sculpt things because I don't really have that. Mm-hmm. And so making things out of sugar felt very accessible to me mm-hmm. because I just had to go into my kitchen and with a new baby and being home and all that, that just seemed to work, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then as I started working with it, you know, the possibilities for what you can do with it are really, I mean, you can do just about anything with fondant. It's crazy and it dries so quickly. So it holds shape and mm-hmm. it's beautiful to work with. It's soft and silky and mm-hmm. smells good. And, you know, but I think through the whole, and, you know, there was a lot of thought in my head at the time about sugar being this like bridge between nature and culture you Mm -hmm. know and that was really interesting to me and what that relationship was about and you know where animals and humans fall on that sort of spectrum and just thinking about all those things and you know making this world that was made out of sugar that played in that sort of arena so I think the images are kind of whimsical and playful and a lot of bunnies and elephants Mm -hmm. in that early project. Where did it develop to? So from there, I did a little, I started thinking a lot about animal and human hybrids and what that means in terms of like, 
you know, literature and history and mm-hmm. biblical stuff. And, you know, I, I just think it's interesting that like angels are really people with wings and, you know, seraphim and all, you know, like all those biblical creatures and, and that any human that gets, and, and then, you know, Greek mythology and so on and so forth. And any human that gets imbued with any kind of animal body part is more powerful than mm-hmm. a human. So that became very interesting to me. And so I started looking at Greek mythology and I did a, it's a small body of work. It's like, I think it's like eight images and mm-hmm. it's, and they're big and they're printed on silk and they're, it's called mothers, monsters and mythology and myth mothers monsters and myth mm-hmm. and, or monster I said, yeah, mothers monsters and mythology get it right you right i should know <laughs> <laughs> i should know i haven't really shown that work very much but it is i was looking at the the creature called echidna and she's considered the mother of all monsters and i thought okay that's really interesting to me as a mother as thinking about mothers you know i think I always go back to Columbine and I don't know why, but you know, I was fairly, I was on the younger side when Columbine happened, but Mm -hmm. I always think about what the mother of like Dylan Tebold must feel like, Mm -hmm. right? Like what's it like to be a mother of a monster? And, and so that body of work was really exploring like the idea of what it means to be a mother, what it means to be a monster, what it means to be a mother of a monster and what that and how that sort of plays out in Greek mythology. And mm-hmm. so there were like, you know, some images of Greek mythological creatures, Medusa and you know, Gorgons. And I hear, I've been reading stuff about Medusa, how she's really gotten a bad rap. Oh, yeah. Totally. Like she, you know, bad rap, not so bad. And I don't know, I don't, I don't know the whole unpacking of it all, but that she kind of was like beat up a little. Well, I mean, I think, you know, it's like the victor always writes the story, right? Yeah, yeah. And so we're never going to know. I mean, and it's a man. So. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, my take on it is that she was an incredibly powerful creature. Mm-hmm. And the powers that be at the time, you know, the Greek patriarchy didn't like that. And mm-hmm. They wanted to kill her. And so they did. Yeah. <laughs> and then she, you know, and, and she was turned and, you know, she probably wanted everybody to leave her alone. Mm-hmm. People came and she turned them to stone and then she became this demon. And mm-hmm. if they just left her alone, it would have been okay. Yeah. Anyway, maybe we'd still have a Gorgon with us if they just left her alone. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> She's an interesting symbol of, of women's power. So the, then there was there was that body of work, which sort of stands out from the other two mm-hmm. projects because it was so like rooted in Greek mythology and mm-hmm. less in like my like happy bunny and elephant land and, you know, animals and and garden design and things like that that mm-hmm. I've been looking at before. And then 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 I did the the night project, which came which I started right after Trump was elected. It felt very dark, mm-hmm. like a dark time to me. And so the work is, you know, the work before that was very, very colorful. Lots of that mm-hmm. work, black, white, and silver, a mm-hmm. little bit of blue. So I, I like pared down the colors. Everything mm-hmm. felt dark. I wanted to think about what happened in my world that I was making at night. Mm-hmm. So what did, what did that world look like at night? And I, I sort of posited that idea around the like around thinking about what it would mean to be a scientist going to this new world I, I sort of have this fascination with trophy rooms okay so so I started thinking about like trophy photography and mm-hmm. trophy hunting and things like that and I, I was really trying to get someone to give me money to build a you know a decadent world night trophy room mm-hmm. <laughs> no one did but I so I started making images all the creatures with wings in my world come out at night mm-hmm 
So it's all winged creatures and it's just the photographs. So it's a series of photographs. It's 12 photographs. Some of them have like a circular thing to sort of, so like that, that circular thing that the photograph is a circle mm-hmm. to mimic sort of that like trophy hunting kind mm-hmm. of thing so that it feels like you're looking through like a scope yeah. to see things. Um, and that was paired with this winged chair that it's so it's called, I called a trophy throne. So mm-hmm. it was this antique chair that I covered with sugar feathers and then epoxied. Mm -hmm. And then I did a wall installation of like trophy wings. So Mm -hmm. like if we hunted the creatures and Mm -hmm. brought them back and turned them into like trophies that, you know, like people Mm -hmm. put on the walls of like deer heads. And so there was some installation, there was some sculpture. And then I also started making animations Mm -hmm. around that time. I had played with it before, but I actually seriously made animations with Mm -hmm. that, with that project. So that's like, the night work is probably the 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 most broad in terms of medium, but still talking about like who has power and who doesn't, mm-hmm. and like there are deities in that in that in those pictures. Mm-hmm. So there's like a goddess, and you know just people praying to each other, and mm-hmm. a big giant tree, and there's all sorts of stuff. So yeah, so that's that work, and that was I mean I finished that in twenty. 19 early 2019 and Mm -hmm. i really haven't made very much since which feels kind of sad you're right Uh, well okay i'm gonna let you off the hook (laughs) like we have been busy yeah yes yeah the pandemic has been really i have some friends who have been more productive than they've ever been yeah and i have friends who haven't been able to make anything and i don't i haven't really found many people sort of in the middle i don't know i know for me i so i started taking animation classes i really wanted to learn some more stuff about animation once i finished the night project so i started taking a couple classes and playing with things and it's been a very i feel like it's been a very exploratory time for me with the work but yeah no the pandemic dang i mean have you been able to make anything run you're looking at it yeah (laughs) like a, a lot of what i've done has been very like what can I do to help the people around me? Like being of maximum service, mm-hmm. you know? So like I, I've been doing videos for, you know, the Episcopal Church in Narragansett. We do their, uh, you know, and that kind of got me working and developing all these other muscles. Right. You know, and our video business is what it is. And, but it's just kind of like growing in that way. And I too, I mean, I've always been interested in stories as well and rituals. Mm-hmm. And so like all this stuff that, you know, has been happening this year, you know, has been, I kind of feel like it's, I don't like to use the word war footing, but it's the only one that kind of fits is like, I I have to get through this. Mm -hmm. Like I I remember just thinking, I, my job is to get my family and the people I love through this. And I I know there's a lot that's not in my control, but it's just that, that kind of mental I have, this is something that is much bigger than me and I have to kind of function within those constraints. Right, right. And and that I think is, we're now kind of on the other side of that. Yeah. So I'm now, I, I, I can kind of open up a little bit and I'm getting back, like it, during all last year, I just wasn't really into photography. Yeah. Like I just couldn't care. And now there's like a project unfolding you know, and for me, it's, you know, telling stories through things, right. you know, and people's things and feel like I, I'm going through my, my parents' house because we're packing it up to have them move or we're closing up one of their houses. And it's picking up the stuff that I, I've known my entire life, but I'm at a different 
point in my life and like it has a new meaning to me it's right. like you know and the energy that's in it yeah uh, and so photographing that and kind of making kind of like a, it, it's interesting it's photographing my relationship with yeah. things and i'm finding that like still life photography landscape photography it's all it's fun but it doesn't really you know have any traction like i can go out and i love making i mean i love making pictures of you know landscapes and all that stuff, but it's it's just kind of like chewing gum. I am not. I mean, I can I could call myself a landscape photographer, but I'm not a very good landscape photographer. You think? Well, I in, don't know. There's there there's one image of yours that just haunts me. It's the boat one. Put put a boat. Oh yeah, where yeah, there yeah. Was That image. I just like like it literally like stay it like stays with me. Um, don't you have that? I don't. Oh, I should give you that. I wouldn't say no <laughs> okay all right yeah no no no, no. okay fair. i do love that image and it's it's so interesting to talk to you particular in particular about photographs because i think you know the way we both approach the medium is so different mm -hmm. right like i'm sort of invested in this idea that like a photograph can bring my imagination into the world in a real way yeah where you are sort of you approach you approach objects and mm -hmm. things and their emotive you know connotations to you mm -hmm. and and it's like you sharing that with the world in that way yeah and it's, I just, I love, that's one of the things that I really do love deeply about photography is that yeah. it, you can do so many, it, like it's, it's, yeah. there are so many different ways to approach it. Mm -hmm. I, I found that when I was in photo school and stuff, it's like once I kind of got the fundamentals down, I, I really hit a wall where it's like, okay, now that I, and I mastered that stuff and it was, you know, it was kind of a very, I don't know if it's a kind of male thing or whatever, but teach me how to do something yeah. and the mechanics of it. And then I got to a point where there wasn't anything I couldn't do with a camera. And it was, you know, I worked really hard and it was highly competitive. I mean, my self-esteem was tied to the mastery of the stuff. And then right. I got to a point in the mastery of the stuff and I had nothing to say. I was like, no. Oh. That's hard. Yeah. And it, and that's where, you know, I, so the actual process of making a photo and making a print and all that stuff has come very easy, but it's like, well, what do I have to say? And I'm sort of on the, I mean, like I've, you know, mastered what I need to master, yeah. like to do the things that I need to do. Yeah. Um, and I've never been so in love with the, me the mechanics of yeah. photography, but the potential. But, yeah. And I feel like I have tons of things to say and then I feel like nobody cares. <laughs> yeah. Oh, me too. I, I think that that goes without saying in some ways. Yeah. That it's like, yeah. I, and, and, and that's where, I mean, I think I'm going to go to the, the Filter Festival this year. Oh, good for you. And just Chicago, be, right? Yeah. Just because, one, I love Chicago. It's a great place. It's, you know, and, and it's also like, all right, that will give me something to do. Mm. Like I need, I need some goals and, and to, to make some work. But also the, the last time I, I say this to say the next thing is that the last time I was there, I kind of was like, I wasn't even, it just kind of feels like there's so many people trying or they, there were so many people just trying to like make it, but there was this elusive the, like the goalposts just yeah. kept on moving yeah. and it's like well what do you do you go to these portfolio reviews you show your work to a curator the curator says i mean this is the perfect timeline the curator says mara this is amazing i'd like to give you a show and you say okay great so we just gonna have to frame up these 12 things you know they're gigantic i mean i know your prints they're big so they're it's big. like so okay ten thousand dollars later 
You know, right, right. You have a show and you're there and you're having, you know, I mean, that's a about a $15,000, $20,000 glass of wine and cheese that you're having mm-hmm. in some state that's, or some other city. And it's like, yeah, okay. And no, you know, and, and so it's like part of me is I'm the son of a, you know, Canadian Scottish businessman. You know, so it's like, wait a second, you, you can't. Where's the return on the investment? Yeah, I come from salespeople too. So, yeah, yeah, it's like it's you know you're, you're throwing all this money down the well and yeah, it's 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 hard. I mean, it is it's a hard pill to swallow sometimes, yeah. right? Like yeah. it is, you know. And it's like you make the things because I mean, I know I and I'm I just assume that every artist has this very like innate thing to make like this mm-hmm. innate thing in us to make things that yeah. we have to do this, mm-hmm. and then you do it, and it's like. You know, and sometimes I mean, sometimes it's wonderful, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes it's terrible. Yeah, it's like all the way in, you know, like the, through the whole process. But yet, I wouldn't give it up for anything. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, like we had just talked a little bit earlier before we turned the recording on about mm-hmm. teaching. Yeah, right. And so I've been an adjunct professor for since two thousand and four. Mm-hmm. Maybe I, t- I think I took a year or two off around when my daughter was a baby and uh, yeah i'm definitely on in this place where i'm like okay so what is like what have i built here you know 60 and like you know so i have these bodies of work Mm -hmm. i've you know had a couple of really cool shows and you know gotten a couple grants and like Mm -hmm. whatever and that all feels great but then now what yeah right at the end of the day it's like now what and i'm still an adjunct professor so i'm definitely in this place where i don't know what i'm doing next yeah with my life like i don't know what i want to be when i grow up which is why i think i was talking about the middle agedness mm-hmm. you know i feel like i'm a little bit like in a little bit of a midlife crisis with my career oh yeah um, you know and there were there are points in my life where i felt very not midlife crisis very mm-hmm. like i know exactly what i'm doing this is exactly what i'm supposed to be doing and mm-hmm. this is why i'm you know well all the things. And I don't know that I feel that anymore. It's in, it's 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 kind of a hard spot to be in, but it's also exciting because I feel like there's a lot of possibilities. Yeah, there's so, a lot of freedom. And so, you know, I don't I don't know what's next. I know. So I have been making animations, which mm-hmm. I think is I mean, in terms of storytelling, it's like it's like it makes me, you know, giddy, oh. you know, because there's so much you can do. And, you know, one of the things that's really interesting about me, I think everyone who's listening <laughs> is that I like really like slow process, obsessive little things. So like mm-hmm. the view camera, mm-hmm. love that because mm-hmm. it's slow and methodical. Everything I made with sugar, you know, one little piece at a time, mm-hmm. one little feather at a time, one leaf at a time that like sort of, well, animation is the same thing because mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's a very laborious process because you have to make the characters. I've been doing a lot of paper, like, cut paper animation and so you have to make you know i make these little puppets and you make the backdrops and you make the whole thing and then Mm -hmm. the actual animating is move a little thing take a picture Mm -hmm. move a little thing take a picture (laughs) and i really love that sort of slow and i also hate it but that slow methodical like obsessive sort of process Mm -hmm. is really exciting to me so yeah and you know i don't know I don't know what's, you know, what's happening next. I think that's kind of where we need to be creatively. Yeah. And, and that's the, you know, we can, we talked a little bit about the pandemic and kind of like how it just upset the apple cart. I don't necessarily see that as a bad thing. No. I mean, some people, and I don't, I say that probably because I, that comes from a tremendous place of privilege because there are people oh, who yeah. like the pandemic ruined their lives. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely. And I don't, so I don't dismiss that. 
Yeah, at all. It's and it is a national, a global tragedy on a variety of levels. It is horrific, actually. Yes. Having said that, <laughs> you know. Yeah, right. I mean, like every single day through the pandemic, I've been like, I'm so grateful. Yeah. To have space. I'm yeah. so grateful to have health. I'm so yep. grateful to have internet connection so I can mm-hmm. teach my classes so my mm-hmm. child can take their classes. So, mm-hmm. you know, we can do what we need to do. Yeah. You know. And I think it's that kind of checking in with what we're grateful for, I think is a really important thing to do. Absolutely. And that's where, you know, the takeaway is, you know, we used to just take it all for granted. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden there's this thing that we couldn't see, taste or smell, you know, that said, no, you can't do all these things. You can't go to the grocery store, you know, without some degree of thinking and planning. And it's like, oh, this is, this is different. And so having a year of that really, I think, and these are constraint, creative constraints. And now those, those constraints are, have been removed, thankfully, at least in the United, I mean, right here. (laughs) Yeah. There there are still people who are really in it and it's heartbreaking, but it's, I think if, if you haven't been changed by this in a positive way, that's a bad deal. If you can't get some, and if you can't find some positive, you know, thing to take from this, I don't want you to have to go through another pandemic to learn that lesson, but it's like, I don't know what to tell you. Like if you, if you had all these things available to you and you still didn't appreciate what you had, and that didn't give your work a depth and dimension and a purpose, which isn't to say that you have to go out and save the world. Right. You know, like it, it doesn't. I think I, I think that's another pressure that we put on ourselves, you know, as artists or as any any person. Oh, I, I, this has to mean something, and it, there are lots of examples where it, no, it doesn't. No, and that I mean, that's definitely a struggle. You know, like, am I saying enough? Am I not saying yeah. enough? Am I sort of towing the line? Am I like, does it even matter? What you know, like, is this even important? Yeah, and the you answer know? is yes, and no, and no, <laughs> yeah, no, and that that's kind of. For me, that that what I I really am interested in, or what you know, you all these things that are just like left over, the things that are left behind, and you know, have tremendous meaning for some people, and other people, it's just oh, is that something? Yeah, you know, it's it's someone else's garbage. One man, one man's trash is another man's, man's treasure. treasure. I suppose right. you know, gender neutral terms, but but, and it's just what are we applying meaning to? And I think. And the, yeah, you're right. These past four years have been a bear. It's been, and and interestingly enough, I'm thinking about monsters again. Yeah. You know, like, and making monsters actually. Yeah. So I think that that's, it, you know, it, I always think about like my, and I think, you know, most of my, most of the artists, people that I know, like we make art to process our, our mm-hmm. experiences. And so I think that the, this animation that I'm starting and this next little body of work that I'm starting is processing the monsters in the world like mm-hmm. how do we process that how do we understand that what is that you know like yeah. there are monsters that like live among us and rule us and they've always been there and they've always been there and how do we deal with that yeah you know how do we you know and it's not you know and it's it's i don't know i i find monsters fascinating but psychologically they're fascinating mm-hmm. historically they're fascinating like they're just it's like it's an interesting human construction so yeah you don't i, I don't think animals have their version of monsters no no Dogs don't have, I mean, it, like if a dog gets, I don't know, rabies or whatever, it's like, it's, it's sick. It's sick. Yeah. 
But they do have like, what is that object impermanence or object permanence or something where they like, I know my little dog who's sitting on my lap right now. She like, if like the doors, you know, if we don't fully close a door and it opens and closes with the wind freaks her out or mm-hmm. like when things fall, like that they have this idea that objects just sort of have a life of their own, but not monsters. Yeah. So, and so it's like, I guess, why did we have to, what, I, here's a good question. What were the first monsters? I don't know. I mean, coyotes, lions, tiger, you know, things like you couldn't see things you couldn't see, things you could only hear, things that scared you, mm-hmm. you know, things that we didn't. Under- I think we made, you know, we've made up mos- monsters through human history to explain things that we don't understand, yeah. you know, um, the, their consequences in some ways. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, you know, the idea, like if I'm going around with a spear and whatever and. I can't hear it or, you know, it's, I, I mean, I can relate to a saber through tigers. Like that's dangerous. Right. That's not right. A mo- necessarily a monster. Uh, monsters always feel like it's dangerous, but there's this other layer. It's almost like our, our darkest natures mm-hmm. get imbued into these things. Yeah. Um, and I think, I mean, I just look at politics right now. Oh, yeah. It's just rife with it. It's yeah. really, it's, we are living in interesting times. Well, and I always tell people, you know, because I, I've had some conversations with people who are really, really, this has really upset them. Like 2020, I know someone who it really, real, like they were like, the world is going to end. The election of 2020, January 6th, pandemic or all of the all above? All of it. Okay. All of the above. Yeah. Like we are, this is the apocalypse. Mm. Like this is the end of the world. And I had to point out to them. It's like, this has been happening forever. Like we are not, we, we are always living in interesting times. I mean, you think about World War II, you think about the Spanish flu, you think about all the, you yeah. know, the, the politics, the communist trials and all these, you know, when, I mean, can you imagine Martin Luther King and then Bobby Kennedy getting shot and, and you know, Malcolm X and, and the Vietnam War. Right. And I think that Nixon there was, and- yeah, I think there was a, a flu strain going around that was really, I mean, all this stuff. And it's like, it was bad. Yeah. Yeah. And it, cultural stress. And we're now in a period of cultural stress. And I think the monster that's kind of come back or reared its ugly head is the one that says it was bet. I'll take you back in time. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, absolutely. Right. Like it's the monster that wants to stop the progress. Yeah. You know, and it's reactionary Mm -hmm. and it's, I think. It's normal. It's normal. I think it'll, you know, because you take three steps forward and two steps back all the time. And I think that's, we're sort of in that, I don't know where we are actually. Are we two steps forward or one step back or two steps back and one step forward? I'm not really sure. I feel like we're moving forward, but very slowly and we move forward and we step back and we move forward and we step back. I think, I think we're at the edge of a pretty amazing time. I hope so. I think so. I I, hope so. Yeah. And I remember, I'm reminded of, you know, because I was an anthropology major in college. And the one time they were talking about cultural stress and these periods of, you know, where, where it's like, think of it as like when a, a jet is hitting the sound barrier, you get all this kind of disruption in the front of it, mm-hmm. you know, and then boom, you know, and then it breaks the speed of sound. And then it goes, it, you know, when it gets to another thing, it, I don't know if it does it again. But what is interesting 
is is we're at that kind that point where there's a lot of disruption. There's a lot of power is shifting and communities are growing and the old establishment is kind of having to really is getting caught flat footed. Yeah. And so to, and technology has a lot to do with it. And it's scary because it's like, who are we? What are we doing? And all these things that always used to work, they don't work anymore. And power and societal and hierarchies yeah. have been turned on their sides because we have this little thing in our pockets that connects us to the world, you know, and we just talk, we can talk to the world with our thumbs and build a community in 24 hours that actually has leverage. Yeah. No, it's, 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 it's awesome and yeah. incredible. And it's also, there's a dark side, you know, it's Absolutely. like the whole, like, you know, there's so much talk about freedom of speech, which is an artist is really something I pay attention to. Cause yeah. I think it's really important, but you know, with all the conspiracy theories and QAnon mm -hmm. and everything, you sort of wonder, like, should we really be free to say what we really want to say? You know, like, like yeah. what's the damage? You know, there's the upsides and downsides to that. But yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I definitely think like turbulence before smoothness. Yeah. You know, we have to go through, we're in the bumpy spot right now. Mm -hmm. And it's the bumpy spot seems prolonged. Yeah. But I guess when you consider all of human history and all of Earth's history, it's not very long. It's about right. <laughs> and I, I think the, I remember the, they, when the, and I'm gonna, my apologies for getting this wrong, but it's partly true. I think, you know, the, there was a period of time when the Native Americans, I think it was the Lakota, when they were pretty much being slaughtered, you know, by the United States Cavalry and the United, the United States white people, they got to a, a point, and I think Joseph Campbell talked about this in The Power of Myth, where they would do the ghost dance. And there was this whole idea that really caught hold that said, this is all a dream. You know, and if we go back to the way, if we start doing things the way things were done, we'll get, it, it will we'll wake up from this dream. Now, and so the and that's what we're seeing a lot now mm. in kind of a nefarious way where it's you know tell take us back to 1975 or 1971 like take us back to you know make America great again or oh you see that's interesting that you yeah. frame that as the 70s and I always think of that as like the 1950s yes yeah. <laughs> but it's like take me back to when I was you know me the middle-aged the older you know the 70 year old, was in the prime of his life. Right. You know, and that's the 70s. It, when I felt empowered, when I felt connected, when I felt that the world made sense to me, because now the world doesn't make sense no. to me. And, that, and there are people who are saying, oh, the world doesn't make sense to you? Well, here, let me explain it. And this is not new. No. And we, you know, you look back in history and, and artists have always kind of been the one who see this and interpret it. And they always kind of get beat up for it as well. That, you know, they, they're the kind of at the point of the spear in some ways of change because they're the one you're looking at things that have always been thus, but you're reinterpreting them in a modern vernacular. And I always like to think, especially since the pandemics started, you know, that like artists are always we're always fumbling in the dark. Yeah, right? we, we never really know what we're doing. We never really mm -hmm. know what's going on. So like in some ways, the pandemic was 
easy for us because we're that's just what we do anyway we just mm-hmm. fumble in the dark we never know there's nothing certain mm-hmm. it's always up in the air it's always open it's that's what the process of making art is it's sort of like reaching in the dark and finding things in the dark yeah. sorry i don't mean to cut you off but that's something i've been thinking about you're absolutely right and believe me you get to interrupt whenever you want oh that's exciting yes <laughs> but whereas i think that's where we are right now as a society right we're like fumbling in the dark mm-hmm. even though we're sort of on the you know we're it feels like we're coming out of the pandemic i'm still a little bit skeptical but you know it's, it's at least those of us in you know the united states that especially in new england because we're doing great with our vaccination rates yes. but um, yeah we're just we're fumbling in the dark we don't really know you know there's nothing certain and we can't really count on anything mm-hmm. and we don't really know you know, we don't really know what's going to happen next. Has it ever been the case where we did? No, but I think I think we had the illusion. Yeah, that. and that's that's I think ultimately the yeah. illusion just got pierced. Yeah. As, yeah. Oh, we're really kind of screwed up. We're we're pretty petty. We're pretty. We we a lot of beauty has come from this, and a lot of ugliness. Yeah. And a lot of mm-hmm. things that just ain't should that need to be changed, mm-hmm. and that will get changed. And what what are your anime? So. You don't know what your animations are about. You're just goofing off. No, I'm not goofing off. You can be goofing <laughs> off. It's okay. I do. I mean, like I play around. Okay. So this new piece that I'm working on, I have a show at Harry Gallery in September. So that's sort of where my focus okay. is on. And um, so I'm, I'm starting. My goal is to have like, if I think about the animation in terms of chapters, like to have mm-hmm. one chapter of it done. It's like, a, it's going to be a series of things. But I think my working title in my head right now for the animation is Monsters and One Superhero. Mm-hmm. And the I, I think the title for the piece of the animation is Magical Thinking is Over. And it's very much an environmental sort of piece. Mm-hmm. So I have these monsters. They're monsters that are drawings that I like doodles, started from doodles that mm-hmm. I was that I have been doing through the pandemic, which is pretty much the only work mm-hmm. that I've done for myself. I've done some commercial work for myself through the pandemic. And they're based on drawings by a 15th century doctor, Fortunato Lissetti, mm-hmm. for, who made, who drew monsters that like human animal weird hybrid things. Mm-hmm. And so I've been looking at those for a long time and I started drawing monsters basically that are male which is interesting because i've never really worked with the male body before Mm -hmm. so they're all men Mm -hmm. and all the monsters are men and and their heads are creatures that use automimicry to hide Mm -hmm. so like you know moths and caterpillars and stuff that have their eyes in different places so predators Mm -hmm. can't see them and so there's something there so they're natural they're weird you know i've decided that 2021 was going to be my you know i've always sort of skirted around the weird and Mm -hmm. i think i'm just embracing it because i don't know why i wouldn't do that at this point because kind of that's who i am so i'm just gonna do that and so the monsters are basically they and this idea started when i was taking an animation class when i made my superhero Mm -hmm. i think there's a drawing of her over there can you see her i do so she's you know like she has angel wings but she has an alien head and she Mm -hmm. has bunny ears and and she's a woman Mm -hmm. a female female character and she saves she can keep saving us from everything because she's just so magical that she can do everything we need her to do but you know she watches the earth Mm -hmm. and she watches how we're destroying ourselves Mm -hmm. makes her very sad and she just tries she just wants to help us but the monsters come and they kind of destroy everything so they're gonna like set the forest on fire in Mm -hmm. the animation she's gonna come and blow them out Mm. they're gonna make the sea levels rise and my in my head it's them urinating into 
water that's around the city and then the sea and then she's gonna remove the water with a straw because she can get as big as we need her to be mm. you know and so so it's it's this kind of play on superhero mythology which i think is super fun yeah and i can play that way in animation where i feel like in photography yeah. not quite the same thing and it's going to be a mix of cut paper stop motion animation and i think it, and some hand-drawn animation so it's mm. going to be two different sort of genre different ways to approach animation mm -hmm. in one piece but it's gonna you know this will probably be the longest piece i've ever made and i hope to have maybe a minute to two minutes done for my show in september right. of it so you know but it is you know it's really it's so much about my fear of what's you know mm -hmm. what i'm watching and there's going to be you know i'm storyboarding it right now so i have mm -hmm. all my plans there'll be you know a section about guns you know so the monsters are going to come and give people are gonna teach people how to use guns and shoot each other, but mm -hmm. then they decide it's smarter to just give them guns. Mm -hmm. you know, so there'll be a one. So there's gonna be that, and then there's gonna be. I really want to address anti-Semitism because that's a very personal place for mm -hmm. me, and it's a very con it's very confusing and a very hard hard thing to wrap my head around. Being mm -hmm. someone who feels very liberal and very, you know but it's coming from all sides right now and that mm -hmm. feels very scary. So I'm not really sure how I might do that or that that I might just think about racism because, you know, anti-Semitism is racism. So there's going to mm -hmm. be, but we have a superhero who's going to come and fix everything for us, which really is what we need right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, know? you know, I mean, that's not going to happen. We have to be our own superheroes. Yeah. But so I feel like, it's you know, I wanted to sort of have, you know, touches of scariness and hopefulness and playfulness and seriousness, you mm -hmm. know, sort of touch on all those things. And it'll be strange and awkward because cut paper animation is a little strange and awkward, mm -hmm. but that's kind of why I like it. There you go. So that's, that's sort of, and then for the show, I'm going to have like the monsters, I'm going to blow them up and put them on the wall. So they will be mm -hmm. like six foot tall monsters in the gallery. All right. And yeah. So I don't know. That's, that's sort of where I'm, I'm going right now. Hopefully, you know, sort of at the beginning of it. And hopefully, I don't really know what it's gonna be when I'm done, but that's where my mind is, you know, and there's a lot, you have to do a lot of planning with animation. Mm -hmm. um, or at least I have to do a lot of planning with animation, otherwise I can never get started. So mm -hmm. I have to have it all sort of laid out. And then things change as I'm working through it. But mm -hmm. Well, that sounds cool. All right. I hope it is. <laughs> it, I'm sure it will be. And that's going to be at the Hera Gallery here in South Kingstown? In yes. Wakefield. All right, yes. in September. In September. All right, I will be there. Really? Yeah, why not? So why would I mean it's right down the street? As yeah. long as I mean, as long I don't like going out places just because you know Howard Hughes. <laughs> but I, it, you know, if I remember, if it's like, oh, I should do this. It's like, yeah, no, I'll do that. Yeah, I'll show I show up. I'm looking forward to having. You know, one of the things that I really miss through the pandemic is like seeing you know the artists like mm -hmm. my like at going to openings and stuff like i yeah. really miss that mm -hmm. um i don't miss all that much else because i kind of like to be home alone anyway yeah me too know? so but i do miss i miss seeing you know the other artists in our state and mm -hmm. you know the people that i like to see in the world and yeah, yeah. seeing art and yeah so i'm very much looking forward to that like oh, slice of life coming back yep all right all right thank you very much for your time i really thank appreciate you for it. talking to me it's fun <laughs> It's not fun, don't do it. That's what I say. All right, I'm about to stop recording now. You have been listening to the Oyster Cast, and that was Mara Trachtenberg. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast. We are always going to be talking with artists about technology, the creative process, what it all means. 
subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks again.